Check one, check one, two, three. Hey everybody, it's Michael Helms, also known as Michael the Sound Guy, and this is the Location Sound Podcast. You know, each episode we talk with location sound mixers, boom ops, and other industry pros about the various aspects of recording sound on location, whether it's for feature and independent films, TV commercials, interviews, any time where dialogue from actors is recorded. I started my career in the recording studios in New York City with some of the big artists back in the day, and later on projects for networks like HBO, Sci-Fi Channel, and the Cartoon Network. As time went by, I got out of the studio and began working in production sound. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, thanks for joining us. All right, my guest today is a production sound mixer and boom op based out of Peoria, Illinois. Please welcome Aaron Berger. Thank you very much for having me on, Michael. Good to have you. Now, Aaron, we always start the show by asking when you're mixing on set, what's in your audio kit? So tell us about your mics, your mixer, power distro, and everything in between. Yeah, sure. So my kind of kit setup is going to be a little less impressive than what's usually on your show. My mixer is going to be a Tascam DRD70. I'm going to have that in an old petrol bag, which I don't even know the name of because one of those things that I just kind of recovered online and uh, yeah, it's just one of those. I'm going to be using for microphones though, a Rode NTG3 for the shotgun primary and then an Audio-Technica uh, 4053B as my interior dialogue type microphone. All of that is also going to be paired with a set of Sennheiser G2s with the standard MEK3, I believe it is, microphones that they come with. Do you have any timecode boxes you like to use? I have a couple of Tentacle Sync, the new variation that they have, which I have been very much so enjoying, though. It's been super great to work with something that I can just Bluetooth wirelessly sync up with multiple cameras and... Oh my gosh, they're just, they're really wonderful things. All right, great. Now, uh, what type of projects do you usually work on? For me, I normally do a little bit more of the corporate side of things. I'm normally called on as an extra hand, usually whenever it's a larger corporate shoot. Sometimes it can be larger video productions and stuff like that with um, larger crowds and stuff. But as of late, I've actually been kind of bundling down to a little bit more smaller personal type corporate projects. But I also do a lot of, um, obviously, the fun stuff, boom hopping for short films and stuff like that. No features, unfortunately, yet, but, you know, everybody's got to start somewhere. That's right. We all got to start somewhere. So uh, now you've had some interesting experiences on set. There was one crew you work with that the police always show up. So tell us about that. Well, actually, a, l- a little bit of a backstory behind all of this is um, these people that always were a crew that had, we joked around, was the police crew, you know, basically, because a police always showed on set. But... Um, how it originally started off is I originally met two other people, um, wonderful director now by the name of Cody Hilliard and a cinematographer by the name of Daniel Gebert, who uh, both of them were just absolutely talented people back whenever I met them a couple years ago uh, in college. And uh, we, it was funny because we were actually all going through a graphic design program at the time. And we kind of just started talking, or I guess Cody... Hilliard and Daniel Gebert started talking and had wanted to create a YouTube channel. And um, they had 
basically been talking for a while in class and I've been listening to all this. And um, eventually I just kind of chimed in and I was like, do you need somebody to hold the microphone? And they looked at me and they're like, yeah, sure. So I was kind of like the lost puppy that kind of like just tagged along with them and never stopped following them. <laughs> the first production we went to was actually, we recorded it across the street from a school in a um, children's playground, I believe it was. We're just outside of a children's playground. But basically it was one of our first things that we'd done. We had like a couple of airsoft guns with orange tips and you know, it was gonna be kind of like this whole dramatic type whatever scene. <laughs> what ended up happening is we got just about done with the entire day of recording. We eventually had a police officer show up on scene and you know, it, was, it, it wasn't anything that we weren't expecting because of course, we didn't call ahead for any kind of permits or any kind of anything like that ahead of time because, you know, first time going out and actually recording something, it's a great idea. <laughs> the cop comes out of the car with an AR-15 and full body vest on and basically is just walking down on us. And we, we I mean, we got significantly a little freaked out because we weren't expecting this to happen. And she had said basically that there had been reports of an armed gunman in the area. And apparently that was coming from us. And apparently there were multiple of our squad cards converging on, our, on the position we were recording stuff at to basically figure out what was going on. Fortunately, we got the situation sorted out. It was a good kind of half joke, but it was, you know, a serious stern kind of like, okay, make sure you actually get your permits beforehand, which tip to anybody listening, make sure you get your permits and make sure that you actually do it professionally, even if you're doing it as an amateur. <laughs> so we ended up doing a whole lot of other shoots. I said, I mean, obviously I mentioned it, but for the rest of the people listening out there, we ended up like continuing to make short films from there. Uh, we did a bunch of stuff for local Peoria area, 48 hour film fest, which we came in first, which was again, super surprising for us because we were severe amateurs at the time. We had like no equipment. I mean, I was running or recording on a Zoom H2, I think it was. No, 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 no. H4, H4, not even H4N, but just the real, real cheap recorder, just into an NTG2 shotgun microphone, filming everything with a GH4. And we went up against, you know, people coming down from Chicago who were normally shooting on reds, had, you know, sound devices, 633s, and just absolute beautiful machinery. And we won. And this little 48-hour film fest, like, kind of kicked us in the rear. We're like, you know, if we're doing this good, why aren't we trying to pursue it? professionally. So the thing about that, though, is that with that, again, the cops showed up whenever we did this 48 hour film fest, uh, little skit, which, oh my gosh, it, it was, I mean, it was a crazy shoot to begin with simply because starting out, we only actually had 12 hours out of this 40 hour film fest. Basically how it was set up was Friday. We were going to get a keyword that had to be in the short film, a general theme that had to be in it and a specific item. So 
we got all of that stuff. And I was actually talking with the uh, writer that we had kind of coordinated with to do this project, Tiffany Mullins, which, oh gosh, amazing writer at that too. But she and I had coordinated a little bit, talked about scripts and stuff like that. But the thing was, our two, the director and the cinematographer at the time, Cody and Daniel, had been off actually doing a video shoot for a wedding. So basically, the first 24 hours was actually just a wedding shoot for them and us trying to plan the script together. So we only had, quite literally, 24 hours to basically shoot and completely edit the short film together. The thing was, is that we went and we shot it again at a skate park that was, again, close to, you know, a public type school area. No, no, no fake weaponry or anything this time, but just like a couple kids, skateboards and stuff like that. Figured it wouldn't be a problem. You know, half hour into the shoot, cop shows up. <laughs> and it's, it's just like this strange string of bad luck that we had no idea why we were coming across or into contact with. And it, it was just kind of like a, a joke that kind of like carried with us. It, it, you know, if it, if it wasn't something that involved cops, it wasn't a Match Cut Studio production. <laughs> From there, we ended up actually continuing to just make stuff on our YouTube channel, just do a bunch of little things. We ended up doing another short film type competition for an online video maker uh, film ride. I believe some people are familiar with the, that YouTube channel. And they had just recently brought back their 80s Monday challenge is what it was. And we made a short film for that. And it was crazy because it came back and again, it won. And it, I mean, it, it was so shocking. Like, I mean, I understand that the people I was working with had talent and I knew that I had a little bit of talent myself. Obviously, I was not a professional by any means, but it was just like crazy. And it was just like, yeah, this, this, this is an amazing thing and I want to pursue it. And like every time you step on set and everything like that, it's like it would be just like this amazing fun time that I'd have with just amazing people. And like this gathering of like producers and just a whole collective unit is just insane. So it was, it, I mean, it's an amazingly fun time just building up that YouTube channel for a little bit. Yeah, oh, that's good. Now, uh, you went to college for graphic design, but you ended up working in sound. So how did that happen? It, it kind of goes along with that whole match cut story. Basically, again, I was in my graphic design class. I was talking to these other people who were interested in doing some film stuff. We had started tackling some film projects, realized that we were decent at it, and we kind of decided to pursue it. Really, it's it's actually kind of strange because for me right now, I'm actually still um, trying to finish my associate's degree for graphic design, but I am actually, you know, being far more profitable and finding far more success actually doing audio production, you know, post-production, mixing, uh, sound design for that kind of thing, location recording, boom hopping, and I mean, I don't know, it's just... I started coming across opportunities for sound stuff. I started basically taking what jobs that I could with corporate type work. And, you know, next thing you know, it, it, you have this just portfolio of work that you've done and you don't even realize how you got there. One of the crazy things about it is whenever I started getting into the commercial location sound recordings type stuff, 
So I actually got asked or I got passed a job by a friend of a friend type deal. And I had been tasked to go to this one really high-end golf course on the north side of Chicago. Can't even remember what it's called now, but I thought that it was just going to be this little small event where basically, and and this is how it was described to me, where basically I was asked to do a recording session well, location recording session of essentially a PGA tour member talking to a bunch of veterans who were part of this club that was essentially involved with getting uh, disabled veterans back out into just doing like sports and activities and stuff like that. And this one in particular was obviously golf. So I was, I was looking forward to it. I mean, I was excited about it. And I end up getting to the location, got past security, got parked, met up with the rest of the filming crew and everything like that. And we start walking back through some of the rear entrances, crew member doors, that type of thing to get to where we need to go. And I remember passing by semi-trucks, major news networks. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? This is, this is, this seems much larger than it is. And next thing I know, I realize that this is actually a BMW Grand Open, like BMW-sponsored golf uh, tournament that was happening that I actually got in uh, to do a recording session with it. And it, it really blew my mind. Like, this was the first time that I had ever been on, like, something absolutely just like a major shoot like this. And... Like, I mean, I I was given, like, you know, obviously a badge and a pass, media pass and all that to go through different areas, but it was, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, it's like a big, yeah, it's a big deal. And and you oftentimes don't realize it until you get there and you're like, oh my gosh, this thing's like a big, this is serious business. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And at that time, I still had, I think I was actually still borrowing my friend's, um, Zoom H4 and running that into the NTG2 and there there was a big part of me that was just like oh gosh I'm 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 that that kid that has just like terrible recording gear and I'm walking past these uh field mixers just it, it, just people with amazing equipment with amazing talent and I'm like I don't think I belong here <laughs> uh, that's right that's when we play the we fake it till we make it kind of game yeah, yeah, no kidding. That was definitely one of those days. Man. Now, uh, you also worked on a project where you were boom op, mixer, and the post engineer. So what what was that experience like? Well, that's actually interesting because I've, uh, for a majority of the stuff that I've done, just because it's been largely uh, either low-budget, corporate, or student-type productions, I'm usually the uh, sound mixer as well as the boom op. I think, I believe the one in particular that you're talking about, Bordered, I believe it is. That was an interesting one because I was asked on after essentially the original sound mixer had called out because she was going to work on a feature. So I had been asked to uh, replace her. Originally, what it was was um, just simply a TV show pilot that we were going to record, which I, again, didn't realize, you know, it was going to be something kind of major. But it was one of those things that I got the job through my friend Daniel Gebert, who 
was going to be the director for it. And he had basically, you know, given me some info on it. You know, it was, it was a, a kind of cutesy, kind of dramatic story about a loss of a father and about the reuniting of a bunch of family members scattered across the United States. We did all the filming in and around Chicago, and it was an absolute blast because it was one of those first times again for me where I actually felt like I was working with like real professionals. Like, gosh, I can't even remember what camera they were using, but I mean, I had just gotten my NTG3. I had my lav packs that I was finally comfortable with, with the Sennheisers and all that. And, um, you know, mic placement, um, lav placement, and all that underneath clothes and stuff like that I was getting comfortable with. It was crazy because it, we started working with, like, you know, really good actors who, coming from someone who is used to working with, you know, either students or corporate people who don't necessarily have that actor classically trained talent, it's it was crazy because you you had these actors that would come on set and they would be instantly ready to go. It was still great to work with just like absolute professionals and just have everyone around me be super professional, you know, calling slate, calling proper verbiage for whenever you needed to get going. So it, it was great, like the recording process for that. For the post-production side of things then, it was interesting because, I, again, coming from that student-type film background, I'm used to working all of these one-shot-type projects where I would do the audio, I'd record the audio, and then I would talk to them about the audio and how I recorded it. And I would start using terminology with people that would confuse them. And so they would ask me, well, would you do all of the post-production mixing and sound design to, for it because you sound like you know what you're talking about? So... I was kind of used to that coming into this border project, but it was really a blast because I got to sit down with the uh, producers. And I mean, it was a little bit nervous, you know, actually sitting down with the uh, Nuno twins for this production and these, the, the two producers for this production and actually working on sound design with them. I mean, I, I, I was super happy with the end result with it uh, because... We had several revisions of it because they, you know, wanted, you know, the specific cards type put in there, the specific noise for the street and all that kind of, you know, little, little, little teeny tiny tidbits. And obviously, you know, I'm more than happy to do that. But I don't know. It was just, again, one of those projects where it blew my mind because it was just such a blast to work with an amazing crew and to just like show off what little talent that I had to these producers and actually get some good feedback because at the end of the day, they were, they were happy. They were, they were really pleased with the result. So, um, I mean, it was, I don't know. It's just one of those, again, really fun, special moments that's just an incredible experience. Well, that's great. You know, it's always good, too. I always try to get a, a letter of recommendation you ask people, hey, could you just write me a little, you know, if you have a good project, you like working on it, just ask them if they'll do you a little write-up. And I think that is so nice. Plus, every now and then, you know, I'll work on some short film projects that get entered in, 
a film festival or something and you can get a nice feedback from I, the director that, that sent me. She was saying, what did she say? It was something like, oh, she, she sent the judges uh, comments and they were like, oh, the audio was fantastic. You guys were outside and it turned out so good. So it's kind of nice to have that kind of stuff to, to showcase down the road. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, especially coming from the area that I'm at, which Peoria isn't, compared to like any larger city, is extremely small. And there's not a whole lot of presence as far as productions go. So anytime that you can kind of get those letters of recommendation or that kind of notation that, hey, this guy's done good, it will definitely help you out, you know, to get places where you want to go whenever you're either ready to move up or you have that urge or that opportunity to actually move up. Yeah, and you can put it on your website. You can really showcase your, your skills, too, and people can see that. So, What's your favorite show that you've worked on so far or the favorite project you've worked on so far? I would have to say, personally, for me, it would have been... Some of the earlier works that I did whenever we were really into our YouTube channel, working for Match Cut Studios, because there's, you know, there's something about just working with a bunch of friends who are skilled and as passionate as you are about, you know, their specific work. It just makes for something extremely exciting. I know one in particular uh, by the title of Blacksmith was an absolute blast because Essentially, we emulated a lot of Wes Anderson style of filmmaking for that entire production. And so even though I had done all location sound recording for all of these places that we went to, like a blacksmith shop, like this you know, person's home and stuff like that, there was a lot of fun sound design in there that was a lot of Foley work. And I got, that was the first time I got to experience you know, working with Foley, which was super fun. And then on top of that, we actually got a personal score made for that entire short film, which I was actually able to be there for the studio recording session of, or multiples of those studio recording sessions for the score on that. And yeah, it was, it was great. We got a couple of violinists from Chicago. Again, that whole, like the specific Wes Anderson style of music, you know, twangy type instruments, violins, some of those uh, smaller Russian guitars that I can never remember the name of. But yeah, that, that definitely was one of those small productions that I'll always remember because I got to experience a lot of facets in audio post production as far as sound design, Foley work, and um, studio recording, which, I mean, that's something that really sticks with me, how much fun and how how exciting that was. All right, we got to ask, what's your worst on-set experience? I've had a couple of them. Fortunately, none of them's been too dramatic, but I know there was one time I was scheduled to actually go and work for a short film down in Peoria again. And I won't mention the name of the director or anything like that, but basically it was going to be a three-day shoot one week and then due to, you know, restraints from people's other jobs, from the actors he had hired and stuff like that, it was going to be three days the next week. So I ended up going to set, you know, 
30 minutes early just to make sure that I had everything ready and I had a chance to like check out the location, talk to the director or first AD or whatever crew was there. And I ended up getting to this one location, this warehouse, and no one was there. And I looked at the call sheet and the call sheet said, you know, 7 a.m., this is where everything's supposed to be. I'm like, okay, well, maybe people just aren't, you know, going to show up exactly on time. Nobody's going to show up early. I, I, I get it. Ended up waiting until 7 o'clock. Still no one there. Hmm, this, this is interesting. Eventually call up the director. Yeah, we canceled the shoot. Well, what, what do you mean you canceled the shoot? Yeah, no, we um, ended up having to reschedule uh, because it, it was stuff which just wasn't going to work out. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I get it. Sometimes things slip through the crack. It's nothing that really fazed me too much. But huh. and nobody called you. No, no, no. It, it was it was one of the it was one of those things that slipped through the cracks. I mean, yeah, sure. There was a little part of me in the back of mind that was like, yeah, maybe this isn't as professional as I had hoped it was going to be. But I showed up the second day. Same exact thing. I called the director again, and he's like, yeah, no, um, sorry, we actually canceled everything for the entire week. I'm like, okay, please, you know, please just just notify me next time. I mean, I don't, it's only a little waste of time. It's not, you know, a huge hour drive from my home or anything like that. It's only like 15 minutes, so it's not a giant waste of time. Sure, there's the prep of the audio and all that, but, you know, dust in the wind to me, water under bridge, all that. But, yeah. That's the thing, is that it kept happening. The next week came around, and I at least got called this time, but it got canceled. And the next week after that, it got canceled. And the thing was, though, is that he kept scheduling it for basically three days the week after that. So it's like I would take three days, you know, to make sure that I had time off to actually go to these productions, actually have it reserved for this guy. And then it kept canceling and canceling and canceling. And finally, I was just like, okay, I can't do this anymore. You know, this doesn't seem like it's going to work out. If we have something that's more locked down and more appropriate, I will gladly, you know, show back up if you need. But for right now, I simply can't keep doing that. And the director was a little bit upset. Fortunately for me, I had actually gotten paid 25% up front, which not 50%, but a a little bit, you know, it helped ease, ease the pain. But the director came back at me and he was like, well, I need that 25% back. I'm like, I can't do that. I, I mean, again, I will gladly do that, but this 25% essentially covers all the time that I had to make sure to reserve for you. It was a little bit upset about that, but in the end, I, I unfortunately just didn't necessarily appreciate the way that he was doing his set and running you know, essentially his production. So I was just like, I, I, I felt a little bad, but there was a part of me that's just like, I mean, I, I don't. You wasted a lot of my time just to, you know, have nothing come out of it. Exactly. Yeah, it's, and you know, when you start seeing red flags like that, and, and the fact that you actually showed up and they, they had failed to call you, you know, they're obligated. So you got to make the call, so. Fortunately for me, and I completely understand where you're coming from with that is, I mean, I can at least look back at it and say that it was definitely a learning experience. So I do understand a little bit more about what those red flags are now. And because it wasn't a massive, you know, drive for me or a massive like setup for me as far as like rental equipment or anything like that, it wasn't a whole lot of pain in 
my wallet. So I definitely am fortunate that I got that. A, a, a low-cost learning experience, basically, is the way I look at it. That's unfortunate. Have you ever forgotten any equipment when you were going to set? I can fortunately say that I am usually extremely diligent about um, having a personal checklist as far as what gear I need, what gear I have to have prepped, and what gear I need to make sure I pack. But there was this one time, and actually, (laughs) this was actually the same time that I got called back to do a second day on the uh, BMW Open, the golf premiere, or the golf work uh, that I had done, where I had been like a little bit panicked because the first day there, obviously, you know, I was overwhelmed. I was doing my job, but I was overwhelmed the fact that I was surrounded by all of these professionals and like all of these major things. So the second day, I, you know, got up early, I went through my checklist, and I thought I had everything. But whenever I got from the place I was staying at to location, I realized that I didn't have my XLR cable. Of course, instant wave of just massive panic. First thing I do is I I walked up to the uh, director that was there, the corporate director for the shoot, and I said, hey, listen, I... I just want to give you a quick heads up. Uh, I forgot my XLR cable. Like, I'm going to need this for, obviously, to do my job. And he was like, oh, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, no, um, because yesterday was a little bit longer setup than we expected and everything like that. We actually asked everyone to come a half hour early. And I had the deepest sigh of relief. And I'm like, okay, so for once, I caught the break at the perfect time. And I was... I ran back to the hotel, found the XLR cable that I left behind, but it still did not change the fact that I was just, oh, I, I, was, I was kicking myself and I didn't know what else to do to make sure I forgot stuff like that because I thought I'd done everything. I had the checklist. I had, you know, all of this stuff in place, but it still doesn't change the fact that that mistake just makes me absolutely paranoid now whenever I got a big shoot coming up. No, that's true. It's and, and I always, you know, sometimes you start, you know, you bring all your gear back and you put it down and you put a little bit over here, a little bit. Of, and I'm just like, I quit doing that. It's like everything goes together. Don't move things. You start trying to like, you know, organize a little bit. It's like, you know what? Keep it all together. Don't move it around. So uh, what expendables do you like to use? For me personally, I use a lot of uh, Topstick. One thing that I do absolutely love is Hush Heels because I usually wear boots to uh, set and everything like that because I'm not sure if I'm going to be running around in mud. I'm not sure if I'm going to be, you know, on concrete or anything like that. But whenever you come into one of those interiors that has glass panels on both sides and they want to do a walking shot of someone coming down a hallway, it is absolutely amazing to have these little felt pads that you can stick to the bottom of your boots and the camera guy's boots and you can just walk down this hallway toe and heel you know completely dead silent only capturing the actor's voices and footsteps it's so wonderful well aaron as we kind of start to wrap things up uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you that is going to be through my business email that I have. It's going to be Aaron Berger Business at Gmail, spelled A-A-R-O-N-B-E-R-G-E-R, business at gmail.com. Well, Aaron Berger, I want to say thanks for being on the show today. And thank you as well, Michael. And a big thanks to all of our listeners out there. 
If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, please send us an email at locationsoundpodcast at gmail.com. We would love for you to subscribe and leave us a comment. We're available on Apple Podcasts, and for Android users, check out Google Podcasts. Also, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, remember, sound is half the picture.